Let me, let me help you in on a little hint of life. God has something for you today. Amen. If you can receive it, God has something. Say, well, Pastor, what is it? I have no idea. I don't know what you're going through. But like I said in one of my videos a couple of weeks ago, that if I preached on the gopher wood that Noah used to build the ark, God can answer a question of life in your life. Amen. you got to be open for it. you got to be looking for it. you got to be expecting it. And, uh, and when we have expectation... Uh, we, we've created the atmosphere for a miracle, for God to do something supernaturally. And so uh, we're going to start off this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you've got your Bible, turn with me there. Amen. Amen. Uh, last week we studied Joseph, and uh, I'm really on this uh, making it work kind of topic. I'm not really preaching the series, but we've got to get the Word of God working in our life on a consistent basis where we know it. Joseph, we looked at as an example that he how he walked through and walked into the purpose that God had created for him. We learned some dynamics. We, we all have stuff inside of us that life has taught us. And now we build rules around those belief systems. And we need to look at our certainty. What are we certain about? Because a lot of us are not certain on the Word of God. If you build certainty in your heart based on the Word of God, it does not matter what the circumstance looks like. You know the Word of God is going to break you through it. People have a hard time living at this level because of their thoughts, because of their feelings, and because of the patterns that they set up in their life on how they respond to things. We've got to break all those things because there are no limits to God and His Word. So we started off last week. I'm going to start off with the same verse that I started off last week in verse 11, or chapter 10, verse 11. Uh, because uh, so, cause we're going to go back to the Old Testament again today, and I want to bring New Testament in here and show you the Old Testament was for your admonition. It was for you and I to learn about. So in verse 10 or 11, it says, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now I'm going to add verse 12 in there this time. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he falls. Don't think you got it all together. The Old Testament was given for an example. Look back at the Old Testament, how they failed, how they succeeded, what they did right, what they did wrong. Because the Old Testament and the, the Mosaic Levitical law was given as a school teacher to show us how to walk with God. Now, we're not under the law, but that did not do away with the law. God's word stands forever. So again, we see here that God's word is true. We can look back and see how they lived and we can learn from it. So we, last week we learned from Joseph. This week we're going to learn from Gideon. Now, if you're familiar, we're going to go to Judges chapter 6. That's where the story of Gideon, uh, Gideon is, is in Judges 6 and 7. And we're going to pick some, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole chapters and walk through it like I did with, um, um, with uh, Joseph, but I'm going to narrate the story for you here real quick. Um, the Israelites were under bondage to the Midianites, and everything they did, the Midianites came in and stole it from them. And uh, so... Uh, Gideon's a man. He was threshing wheat by the barn, uh, you know, behind a barn or something like that. He's trying to hide from the Midianites so that they'd have some food to eat. God shows up and says, "Okay, I'm going to deliver you out of the hand of the Midianites." And and we walk through a story of Gideon trying to wrap his mind around what God wants to do. In fact, in uh, uh, one verse, he says, "If we be your people, where are all the miracles?" That's a question we should be asking today. We get answers to prayer. We heard a bunch of testimonies. We get answers to prayer, but that's different than the miracles that took place in the early church, even in the Old Testament. We live under a better covenant. 
than the Old Testament. And we have to understand how this works. This is where, to me, in the modern church, we've, been, we, we've become too organized. That, that, okay, this is how it works, but, but God's not limited to our organizational ability. God wants to do things that reveals who he is. So we're going to launch off here at verse 14, and I want you to see something. Uh, chapter 6, verse 14. And it says, And the Lord looked upon him, being Gideon, and said, Go in this might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? This can very easily be a New Testament scripture. Now, I want you to notice the breakdown of it. Look what God said to Gideon. Go in this might. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8. And uh, you shall receive power, dunamis. Uh, that's where we get uh, our word, English word dynamite, uh, explosive power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be a witness unto me, uh, unto all the world. Now, we should walk in a realm of power over all things. Now, if you remember, uh, I think it's verse 3, he says, And Jesus revealed himself by many infallible proofs. So when Jesus raised from the dead, <coughs> he came back and revealed himself, but he didn't just walk up, knock on the door, and say, Hey, it's Jesus, I'm here. He walked through the door. He did things to reveal his resurrected state. And then down in verse 8, he comes back and he says, And you shall receive power. You and I have got to develop a mindset of power. This is what he told Gideon way back in the Old Testament. You go and you operate in this might and you shall save Israel. I didn't make that up. Let's go back to verse 14. And the Lord looked upon Gideon and said, Go in this might. And you, thou, I'm reading King James, shall save Israel. Now, if you know the whole story, God delivered them, right? But God could never deliver them until Gideon got up and went. And we see in this, Gideon had to work through a lot of things in order to get to the place where he could go. He didn't just jump up. He did a fleece. You remember the fleece? You know there's still people doing fleeces today? Do you know what they're saying? God, I have no faith. Can I do a fleece? Because you only find a fleece one time in the Bible. And it was done in fear, not in faith. He, he conversed with a... Y'all got quiet. Y'all doing fleeces? He, he sat with angels who consumed uh, food on the fire and everything. And then it says, he perceived it was an angel of the Lord. Really? I mean, how many people have you sat with that you had dinner out there and they... Boom, it was all gone. This, this brilliantly spiritual man perceived now that he had been with an angel. So God had done all this. God said, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to do this. And he said, oh, okay, God. But, but if it's really you, let me do this fleece. That's called the fleece because he used the fleece off the streets. He took the wool. He put it out there. And uh, I might have it backwards. I don't remember which was first. Uh, if, if this really be you, then let the fleece be full of water and the ground all be dry. You know, the morning dew, soak it with water. So he goes out the next morning and sure enough, the ground's dry and the fleece is wet. Answer the story, right? God, forgive me, but let's just do this one more time. This might have just been a freak of nature. So let's do it in reverse. I'm going to put some more fleece out there. And, and if the ground is wet, but the fleece is right, I'll know that it's you. This is, this is not a faith man. This is a scared man. We don't live by fleeces. We live by faith. And we're led by the Spirit. So if you're in a fleece mode, get out of your fleece mode and get in the faith mode. Because fleeces are done based on fear, not on faith. 
So he says to Gideon, go in the power of this might. Now I'm going to illustrate to you. You ready with the slides there? Uh, Okay, so let's go to slide number one. This is what I perceive in people I talk to. We have us, we have issue. Issue is whatever we're believing God for. And then we have Jesus on the throne, seated at the right hand of the Father, right? So we pray to Jesus, us, arrow up to Jesus, so that Jesus can answer our prayer. Isn't that what most people do? Lord, heal me, even though he healed you at the cross, or, you know, by stripes on the way to the cross. Amen. He that, Lord, bless me, I need some more money, even though he that was rich became poor, poor that we might be rich that we might have all sufficiency in all things, that we may abound to every good work. We pray to Jesus to give us whatever the issue is. This is, this is biblically incorrect. We just saw it in, uh, back all the way back in the Old Testament. You go in this power, this might. You and I are to go in his power. But if we're always praying to Jesus to do what we need done, why do we keep wanting him to get up off his throne and come down and be our servant? Because if we're praying this way, he has become our servant. We are Lord. In fact, in the book of Luke, Jesus speaking, he said, I think it's chapter 17. He says that uh, any of you having a servant that's out working in the field, when he comes in, you don't tell him to sit and have meat first. You're going to eat first and let him serve you still. In fact, the whole story, if you read it, is keep your servant working for you. Why do we interpret this to keep Jesus working for us? Okay, let's just preach on lullabies. And be happy. No, it's what I said earlier. There's a part we play in this. So how biblically, if we were to do a deeper dive study uh, into this, it would look like this. Go to slide number two. This, isn't this what Jesus did? He separated himself and prayed and built himself up with the Father. Do you ever see Jesus praying for the sick? No, you see him speaking to the sick. You see him commanding things. You see him dealing with what he received in the prayer life. Why did we go back to go back to uh, slide number one? Why did we develop this slide, this praying mechanism within the church? Because it doesn't require anything of me except to say a prayer. So go back to slide number two. If we're under this model, it requires me to walk toward my issue and take authority over it. But see, the reason that we don't want to do that is because we don't have the first part. We're not spending time with, with, the, with our Father. See, God wants us to walk in the power of the Spirit. You, you're not just going to wake up and walk in the power of the Spirit. You've got to develop a relationship with the Spirit. See, if you don't develop a relationship with the Spirit, using my Old Testament example, you're going to do a fleece. God, is this really you? Are you going to heal me in this? Or, or, or should I go take this radical treatment? I mean... Jesus, being honest, has to be honest with you. I already paid for it at the, at, when I took the stripes on my back. You're healed. Now, does that mean you're not feeling it in your body or the diagnosis went away? No, this is why I keep coming back and say, how far can you walk on the Word of God? Most people can't walk very far on the Word of God because they can't fight the feeling. I can't fight that feeling any longer. I'm not going to stay on the Word of God. Sorry. Let's get back to our word and out of my, out of my senior way. So somebody might say, I don't have might. I don't have the ability to go after this. I don't have the ability to stand in this. Well, 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 hang on. Hang on. I think there's a verse. Weren't you given the name of Jesus? You have something mightier than might. Remember that part about, woo! See, when you grab hold of it, it's like, woo! Have you not been given the name of Jesus? 
Doesn't the word of God tell us that every name will bow at the name of Jesus? Do we not have the authority of the name of Jesus? So why are we stuck on I don't have might? Well, probably going back to this thing, we spend no time with, with the Lord. We spend our time in our brains. Your spirit's far more powerful than your brain. Now, if you don't renew your mind, you're not going to see transformation, Romans 12, too. But the mind is not what gets you there. It's the spirit that gets you there. But you've got to renew your mind in order to get the spirit working. We have a way of thinking. You know, if you, if you ever get on social media, people say the stupidest things. But you can see how they think. Now, it's obvious they never read their Bible, but they really believe what they say. Guess what? You and me say things that we believe. Because there's a level of certainty in us on, on every issue of life. And what we're going to be certain of is going to dominate on how we're going to act. Now, you go back, you start spending time with Jesus, you'll start, be, you'll start getting certain about what he said. Oh, but I don't have time, Pastor. Well, it takes a lot of time to struggle in life. If you take your struggle time out and spend it with the, the Lord, you no longer have struggle. Things are so simple. They're just not easy. Amen. So we have to realize our part in this. Now, this is what I said earlier on. We all play a part. If you don't realize, see, and th this is something, if you don't realize your part, you, you're going to mess the whole system up. And this is, you know, especially Americans, uh, we don't like to be wrong. People really get messed up if they make a mistake, if, you know, whatever. Because we don't like to be wrong. We don't want to be perceived a certain way. If your life is broken, you're constantly battling things, let me help you. You're wrong. Okay? I can guarantee you that every single one of us, including myself, have been wrong on topics. Amen. That we had strong opinions about. Amen. Get over that. You're just a people. Just like I'm just a people. So it doesn't matter how convinced we are now, that convinced is the certainty. You and I are going to function on that. But that doesn't mean it's right. We've got to become certain about what is right, which is what God said. We might have circumstances in our life that are true. There might be something attacking your body. There might be something attacking your money. There might be something attacking your family. That may be true, but that's not truth. Truth is what God has said about the situation. Now... We come down to the, the element of, am I going to operate based on what is true, or am I going to operate based on what is truth? It's totally different. Yeah. So we, to see our part that we play in it, go to verse 1, 6, 1. And the children of the Israel, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. What is the basis of their problem? What they did. People are like, man, I just have bad luck. Everything happens to me. No. You're living a life that's opening a door for what you're experiencing. Amen. It's throughout the Bible. God says, do what I say and it will work for you. Don't do what I say and you're, you're going to be cursed with a curse. Not that he curses you. You just moved yourself to live under the curse. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midian seven years. So God's hand of protection came off of them because God was mean. Because God hates people because of what they did. We have the right, as I've said before, the only thing that your sovereign is, is your will. You and I get to decide what we are going to do and how we are going to do it. If you or I choose 
to do something contrary to the word of God, we are going to receive based on that decision. But if you and I make a decision based on the word of God, we're going to receive according to that decision. So because, because Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, he delivered him into the hands of the Midian seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against them. Translation, Midian won. There's a lot of people, Christians, confessor Christian, go to church, even pray sometimes, and, uh, but the world is winning. Their money is always short. Their time is always short. Their peace level is always short. Uh, they're battling sickness and disease in their body. They're struggling with this, that, and the other. Why? Because they have chosen to do it away contrary to what God has said. Say, well, well no, it's, just, it's a fallen world. Yes, it is a fallen world. You and I have a lot to stand against. It can get wearisome to stand. You know what I mean? But that's how it works. It doesn't matter what progressive thinking thinks. God has established how this system works, and it will work until the end of time, no matter what you and I think about it. So in the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites and the children of Israel made them, and because of that, the children of Israel made dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So what they did is Israel... Under the hand and domination of the Midianites, they tried to survive. This is what people have been people ever since people have been people. Instead of getting our decisions lined up right, they tried to improvise and make it where it worked. It doesn't work. That's why Gideon's hiding when he's threshing the wheat. But see, if you bring this into your my life, we've all done this. Yes. It ain't working. It ain't working. I need to do this. I need to do that. Instead of running, uh, my, my graph is going, instead of running back to Jesus and finding out what I need to do so I could go in my, we just start, oh, let me get a consolidation. Let me go and do this. Let me get this and let me get that. And let me, and, and we start making all these decisions that are broken decisions because we're not making decisions based on the word of God. And all we do is ex expand the brokenness. And then we call it my life. But God didn't create it, so we have to live life on our terms. We can live life on his terms. Now jump down to verse 7. Here's the answer. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. All we got to do is cry out to the Lord. He doesn't want us to live under destruction. Everything that he paid a price for, he paid it so that we don't have to do it. You, you can live your life can be at multiple times higher than where you're at. My life can be at multiple times higher, but we've got all this pressure coming on us. And we yield ourselves to pressure instead of yielding ourselves to the Word. How far can you walk on the Word of God? When do you give up? When do you consent? Now, if God is the answer for everything... See, because what I've heard many times is, well, yeah, I'm doing this because of, you know, money, because of kids, because, of, you know, they list their whatever because. God has the answer for your because. Why do we walk away from the truth to try to fix the because we're in the because because of the decisions that we made? The answer is not to keep trying to fix the because, it's to get back in line with him. Because he can bring everything back in alignment. 
Are you with me? Now, so, so let's look at um, verse 3. Here's, here's where we get uh, in our life. And so it was when Israel had sown. Now, we've been talking about sowing. Now, don't let sowing just be money. We sow our lives. We, we, we sow in, in many forms. Our words are seeds. Our actions are seeds. When they're done on the Word of God, we're sowing. But, 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 but Galatians says, if you sow to the flesh, meaning if you make decisions to try to make the natural work, you are going to reap con- uh, corruption. That's in Galatians chapter 6. Everything we do is a seed. And we're sowing. Now, when they had sown, so it was when Israel had sown, the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. Watch this. And they encamped against them. You and I may have created a life where we have an encampment that's against us. Now, now I want you to just stop and think about, well, how, how could that work? Well, in this case, every time they planted, they came in and stole the harvest. So repetitively, this went on seven years. So they had seven years of seasons of different harvests that would come out and they reaped from none of them. Because the harvest in this particular example was stolen. What have you gone through repeatedly? Do you fight the same thing over and over and over again? Y'all staring at me like, quit talking to me. You can't beat sickness and you keep going back. You might have an encampment around you. You can't break out of debt, poverty, lack. You might have an encampment because the enemy doesn't attack on our strong areas. He attacks on our weak areas. How do you break out of it? Well, you're going to have to cry out to God and get a plan. Number one, I would say repent. If you don't, most people will not repent because they do not view what they're walking through as they, as themselves playing a part in it. So the number one thing I got to do is I got to repent. God, this thing, there, there's something off here. I, I guess before even you repent, you got to come to the revelation that there's something, a decision that you made that opened the door for this. Amen. If you're repeatedly, repeatedly battling something, there's a reason for it. In fact, the Bible says affliction shall not arise a second time. Uh, so we could even say if you battle the same thing twice, three times, you, you've got to, you, you opened a door someplace. So the number one thing that you've got to do, remember I said I'm going to give people points on what they can do. You can write this down. Is one, you need to look at your life and say, is there something I keep repeatedly battling? Once you identify that, ask yourself or ask God, because he's the one that knows, where did I open the door? I've obviously opened the door for this because your power has given me power over it. So the first thing you do is repent for opening the door. Uh, You might not even know what the door is at this point, Lord. It's obvious that I've done something that has taken your hand off of me in this area. Because you can open a door in one area uh, to the enemy and you're fighting him over here. And most people never assign that they uh, that what they're fighting is the result of this decision right here. I've seen it happen over and over again. So if you're battling something over and over again, uh, it, it's, it's probably because you've opened a door somewhere in your life. Say, so, so God, I, I ask you to forgive me. Show me what it is, and I'll specifically uh, mention it. But, Lord, I know that there's something that I did wrong that opened this door. Uh, forgive me of it. That's why he went to the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness. Now, now what have you done? You've taken responsibility, uh, and the, the understanding of it 
that, that I played a part in this because you're a good God. You're not doing this to me. Now show me the action plan. How do I get out of this? Remember when David at Ziklag, the army came in and they took everything. He went to God and he asked, if I go, follow, if I go pursue them, will you deliver me? Yes, go. I'll be with you. God, give me the plan. How do I move forward? How do I go into this? Because I'm tired of this. I, I'm acknowledging it. I'm repenting of it. And now I want the strategy from you. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth all men liberally and without reproach. He's going to give you wisdom on how to get out of it because God wants to show himself strong. Even in Gideon, they cried out to God and he delivered them out of their distresses. And they encamped, verse 4, they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come to Gaza and the and left no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up uh, with their cattle, their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for the multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. it when we give the enemy an open door in our life, he will take advantage of it to the fullest extent. And we've got to realize that God has called us sent his son to die for us to deliver us out of the, the destruction that Adam created when he sinned. And he didn't take the sin and destruction out of the world. He just gave us a, a way to rise above it. So just as we got into it, we, we play a part in getting out of it. Go in this might. You're going to have to start marching toward whatever is coming against you. Amen. Verse 6. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Now, uh, here it, it's talking about a financial impoverishment. Don't limit it to that because you could be impoverished in your spirit. You have no heart to keep going. You're just tired and wearied. It's worn you down to a point where you've given up on your hope. You lost hope. So, so you could be impoverished in mind, impoverished in spirit, impoverished financially. And we've got to get out of that. Now, jump, jump to verse 25. We're going to see how, how faith starts operating. And it came to pass. Hang on a second here. I think I want to do something before I went there. Yeah. I want to show you. Put, a, put my next uh, slide up on Acts. I think it's Acts chapter 13. I want to show you before we get how faith works. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 3. Um, I want to show you that God wants, God will honor what you set out and do when you walk in it. Acts chapter 3, verse 16. And his name, this is when Peter, uh, uh, Peter and John came to the temple and the, the lame man was raised. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see now. Know ye that the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in all the presence. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give to you. And having faith in his name created the miracle. God is on the other side of our faith in his name. We've got to build up the capacity. We've got to build up the confidence in his name that his word is true. That means you and I are going to have to submit to his name and do what he says. Because he's, we, we're seeing it with Gideon. That because they did evil in the sight of the Lord, they didn't do what God had said. He took his hand off of them. Go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I want you to know that if you're looking at a situation in your life, what seems to be impossible is possible with God. But you can't sit around waiting for God to do it. You've got to build yourself up in faith that you can walk in it. 
that you can walk in it. And, and in this, let's go back to sickness and disease. I made the story the other day that whenever I was in South America, they had this philosophy on, you know, the temperature is supposed to be the same inside as it is outside. I happened to be there uh, in, the, in wintertime, and it was freezing cold inside and outside the house because they believed that if you went from an outside cold to an inside warm, uh, you were, you're going to get sick. And they probably had evidence of it because they believed it. Then I was on a train with Sergei in Russia, and they believe if, if wind blows on you that you're going to get sick. We were on a train. It's like 90 degrees outside. Uh, it's hotter than that inside. And I said, there's a window right there. And I'm like, Sergey, can we open that window? Man, it's like hot in here. At least we get some air blowing. And uh, we got some air blowing. It's like, okay, that makes it a little bit better. It's hot air, but at least it's you know, kind of move. And then the lady gets on. She starts speaking Russian to Sergey and uh, says, can we close that window? We don't want to get sick. And he tells me, I said, that's stupid. He said, well, here, here, uh, it's like that. And then I brought back to America. We're stupid, too. If you go outside with wet hair, you're going to get sick. Yeah. You know, or if you swim uh, after you've eaten, you know, you have to wait 30 minutes after you eat in order to swim to not get cramps. There's no medical studies on that whatsoever. But people believe it. And people, uh, therefore, they see it because their faith is set in what they believe. Uh, I think I told after that, Sergey came up and he says, you should have asked me. I would have told everybody that's stupid uh, because uh, I went swimming right after I ate and it never happened. I said, but do you believe that if, if uh, air blows on you that you'll get sick? He says, well, yeah, that's kind of there. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it's cultural. There's a lot of things that we believe that have no basis for it, yet we have a basis with the word of God. And so you, we look at things. How did we even come up with the idea that this is impossible? Somebody told us. You know, a doctor said there is no cure for this. So now we owe because science hasn't figured out a cure. There must not be a cure. Yet we serve a God that says all things are possible if you can believe. See, we believe things that have no basis, and we struggle to believe things that have a basis. Now, let's go back and see how faith works uh, with Gideon, and we're going to go to chapter uh, 7, verse 2. No, nope. I want to read something else here before we get there. I got myself jumping all over the place. Did uh, we read verse 25? All right, let's go to verse 25. And it came to pass that night, the Lord said unto Gideon, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath cut down the grove by, that is by it. Now stop and think, back in the day, what was the culture on honoring your father and your mother? It was very high, right? I mean, it, that, that was like a big thing. God just told him to go to your father, cut down his altar, and build a new one for me. Now put yourself in that place because faith will always cause you to become very uncomfortable in what you need to do. And from culture standpoint and uh, on what Gideon's looking at, it is also incorrect to do it. And God is violating culture and God is violating family. Oh, this is getting good. Build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon this rock in the uh in the ordered place and take a second bullock and, and offer a burnt sacrifice with wood of the grove and thou shalt cut it down. Then Gideon took men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household 
and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, but that he did it by night. Now, faith is going to cause you, how can we say it in modern terms, to go against the grain, to go against what you perceive right. Who, now this goes back to my question, how far can you walk on the word of God? What if it violates dad, mom, spouse, kids? See, because in, in Gideon's mind, because people have been people ever since people's been people, if I do this, now he wants to do it because he went and did it, but he did it at night so he wouldn't be seen. Because in his mind, if I do this, I'm going to be in trouble with the city elders. I'm going to be in trouble with my father. But God's the one that told him, so will God take care of the city elders and will God take care of his father? See, this comes down to how far can you walk with him? This is where faith, if everybody is against you, can you stand on the word of God? Because this is going to determine what we live in and how far we walk. Right now, go to chapter seven, verse two. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved us. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whatsoever is fearful, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there return to the people 22,000, and there remain 10,000. Two-thirds of them left. The first, because he wants glory for it. And even the 10,000 was too many. He said, There's still too many. I... What am I talking about? Get miracles back in the church. We play a part in it. We're operating on internal beliefs. If you want to see the power of God in your lives and in the church, we're going to have to move to an area where we trust him. Put yourself in this. Now, therefore, go to proclaim. Verse 3. In the ears of the people, whosoever is... Oh, I read that. Verse 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too, too many. Bring them down to the water, and I'll try them. Uh, for thee there, and it shall be that whom I say, this shall go with thee, and the same shall go with thee of whosoever. So he does a, uh, a drinking test with the people, and only 300 did it the way that he wanted to do it. So now God says, think about it. You were just a few days ago hiding, threshing the wheat, and now you got 300 men against all this army, and God says, cool, now we're at the place I can do it. How far can you walk with Jesus on his word? When it looks like it's all falling apart, when it looks like it ain't working, when it looks like every force is against you, when those closest to you, you're having to stand up and stand on the word of God instead of yielding to their authority. Because uh, part of that that, that um, uh, Gideon had to deal with the authority. His father had authority over him. The city council had th authority over him. Uh, or, or you're just going against their opinion. How far can you stand on the word of God and say, this shall be? He says, now we got 300. There's no way you can beat this army in your natural strength. Now I can do it. Jump down to verse 22 in chapter 7, last verse. And the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord said, Every man sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled uh, to Bethsheba and to Zerareth. And the border of the, and doesn't really matter, those different towns. But anyway, the, the, the thing is, is once they stood on the word of God, God delivered them. Let's stand. You and I are in this story.
I, I would encourage you to go back this week and read chapter 6, chapter 7, the full story, and, and read it slow and put yourself in the position to see what you would feel if you were doing what, what Gideon said. Because there's feelings that go with this that causes us to doubt, that causes fear to rise up, that says, I can't do that because of this. But God has everything in control. And I, I, told, I think I told the story last week. I'm going to tell it again. I was like 19 years old, something like that. Uh, was, was not like, liking, you know, the, the condition of my life. And I was sitting out where Mervyn's used to be under the marquee of the theater back there. And I'm praying. It was really complaining to God. And, uh, and in the course of this, I said, I don't even have money to buy a hamburger. Finally, I was frustrated, pulled out. Uh, as, I, as I told the last time, came out on Mooney, turned right, flipped to you right there where Carl's Jr. is, came down to the stoplight where Pet Boys is, a guy that I worked with, Honka Horton, and I, I reached over and I rolled down the window, and uh, he says, what are you doing now? It's like probably 7, 38 o'clock at night. And I said, well, I'm just heading home. He says, pull over to Carl's Jr., let me buy you a hamburger. God cares about your hamburgers. Now, hamburger may not be your thing, but get what I'm saying. God cares about your hamburger. What was a hamburger? This was before I got married. We got married in 85. So I was like 19. What was I when we got married? 24, 23. So that'd be like probably four years earlier than 85. So this is like 1981, 1982. What did a hamburger cost? 85 cents? $1.25? I don't know. I was distraught over, over a dollar. Now, don't laugh at me. You've done the same thing too. God said if we'll walk on his word, he will do what he said. What did he say? He'll protect our families. He'll protect our person. He'll protect our property. He'll protect our money, lack and debt uh, and poverty. He will have no place among us. Our kids will be happy and healthy. Our life will be full. Our joy will be full. Uh, we'll be healthy and strong. We'll sleep well at night. A lot of verses on sleeping good at night. Uh, I mean, all these things he said, if we'll do what he says, he will do what he says. But notice what happened, going even back to the Old Testament, which is an example for us. Go in this might. I want to tell you, start moving forward in this might. I just know that I, I just don't know if I can. You need to spend some time with Jesus. He's given you his name. A name that everything must bow to. But you've got to not be moved. People listen more to what other people say than what God says. There's power in his name. What's that old song? What can make me whole again? Anybody know it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I think it was Evelyn that brought it up out of Revelation that they overcame by the word of their testimony and the blood of their lamb and the blood of the lamb. You can be whole. We can see miracles. Whatever your biggest battle is, we saw it by this, this, this test that we did last week on the, on the offering, seeing what God can do. God is on the other side of our faith. All you've got to do is release your faith and move forward. But you're going to have to spend time with Jesus in order to move forward. Just as Jesus spent time with the Father, you've got to get in the presence of the Father. You've got to know what His will for your life is. Stop praying for Jesus to do things. Get up and walk it out. Face your problem. Start speaking to it. Bind every demon that's trying to mess with you. He's fallen. You have victory over him if you're in Christ. You have victory over him. I guarantee you, as this world gets darker and as we get closer to the appearing of Christ, you can't do this in your mind. 
You've got to build a foundation on the word of God that you believe the word of God more than you believe anything else because the word of God will always bring forth what it says. But you're go there's for Americans, at least one of the biggest things that has to be broken is this self-focus. How I feel right now. Stop paying so much attention to how you feel and what you're going through and start paying attention to what the word of God says. Let's bow our heads. We've seen it happen this past week with all the testimonies. But what's that big thing that you're facing? <coughs> what's that thing that's grabbing all your attention, all your thoughts that you keep focusing on? How is this going to happen? I want you to identify that one thing that you're struggling with, that you're battling, that the enemy is trying to encamp around you about. And just see for a moment what it would look like on the other side of that. If this, was, if this prayer was answered, if everything came in alignment right now, what would I look at or what would the circumstances look like if that happened right now? That's where you want to get to. That's the end of your faith. You have to have a hope to walk in that. If we're just waiting for Jesus to do everything, he's saying, I already did it. You and I are going to have to walk in it. You've got to see yourself on the other side. Now, what do you need to do today to start moving toward it? So, Pastor, I don't know what I need to do. Well, then go back to what I said. First realize there's somewhere you open the door and repent of it. And start speaking the end like God does. He calleth those things that aren't as though they are. A lot of people say that that's what Abraham did. That's not what the Bible says. That's what God does. And Abraham followed his example. So that vision of what it looks like, you start speaking that. Just like God spoke into to the earth, you know, creation. He started speaking what he saw. And it started aligning and creating and, and forming. You and I have that same power. Go in this might. It's all going to be done by basically by what Jesus did at the cross. So we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. But you've got to see it. You've got to know what the end looks like. And I want you to deal with that right now. We're going to pray and I'm going to pray with you. But you've got to set your faith in seeing the end of it coming about and finding out what your next step is. Your next step might just be speaking, speaking toward it, declaring those things. But you've got to be looking for God to open the, the door. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Lord, in this fallen world, we all deal with stuff. That's, that's not like a condemnation on anybody that we're going through something. This, this world tries to attack everything that we have. The enemy's roaming around seeking whom he can destroy. He's trying to find areas that we, we let our guard down on. So, so we're, we're all dealing with something at some level. But God, we bring it to you right now. We're going to come through this. We're going to go through it. In your might, we're going to go toward it. So number one, Lord, we ask... We, we realize today, God, we apparently opened a door to get this situation to where that it's at. And so, Lord, we repent of that, whatever it may be. We may know what it is today, and, and you speaking to the Lord, just ask Him to forgive you of that thing, but we may not know what it is. So, Lord, we ask You to forgive us, whatever it is, however we open that door. But, God, we ask, because Your Word says that if we lack wisdom, 
You'll, we ask of you, you'll give us wisdom. You'll show us how to make decisions to get out of this. So, Lord, we pray, James 1, 5, right now, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. You would show us your heart on how we approach this, what we do next, our next step. God, because we know, Lord, that anywhere the enemy has encamped around us, we have the power over him. Just like Elisha, when, when Gehazi came to him and said that, that there's a, my Lord, my Lord, there's an enemy, an army that stands around us. And he says, greater uh, are those that are with us than those that stand before us. And, and so he knew, God, that no matter what situation he found himself in, you were there mighty and powerful. And so, Lord, we, we declare this. We know we might be struggling and believing it right now, Lord, but we know that you are with us, that you are manifesting yourself. God, that we will walk in the victory, that we are going to keep our minds stayed on you, that the outcome that we're setting before you, the power to walk in it, has been given to us in the name of Jesus. So we declare it by your name. Every enemy that's rising up, we bind it in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off. Our stuff, our person, whatever it may be, get your hand off in the name of Jesus. And Lord, give us the wisdom of how to start walking out of this thing, that we walk in the power and the authority of who you are. And Lord, we declare it right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you've never given your life to the Lord, the great day, today's a great day to do it. Just come up and our elders are up here. They'll lead you through the Lord in prayer. Uh, if there's something else that we didn't deal with today, although we dealt with a lot, uh, they'll pray with you, give you a, an encouraging word also. Uh, if you've not uh, co committed to being baptized, you have to ask yourself, if you know you should, what's holding you back? It's not God. He wants you to walk in power. It's us. Break through it. Break through it. What a great day we're going to have on Easter Sunday. What a great day to, to, to bury that old man on the day that we can come up in the resurrection of Christ the same way that Jesus came up in the resurrection. Amen.